The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we come before you uh, excited to hear your word. Excited to once again uh, enter into the story of Easter uh, and maybe see with new eyes the point and the purpose of what you are trying to do uh, and equally as important what you are doing today. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, when I was reflecting on Easter this year, the story, the movie that I kept coming back to was The Matrix, right? And for those of you who haven't seen The Matrix, the whole premise of the story, right, is that all of humanity is trapped within this giant computer system, and they're waiting on the one. And the one is going to be the hero who's going to be able to break them out of The Matrix, And Neo shows up, and they are convinced, this is him. This is going to be the hero. This is going to be the Messiah, so to speak, who's going to save us. And I remember growing up and seeing that movie with all my friends, and technology had really just made a huge leap. And the first time you see Neo dodging bullets, and he's doing like that limbo thing, and his arms are going like this, and my friends, man, we geeked out over this. We're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, right? And the movie goes on, but eventually, the bad guys, the agents, actually end up killing Neo. And what I kept going back to this week is the scene where Neo comes back to life. And he stands up, and the agents, the agents of darkness, right, are looking at this, and they're like, what? How are you alive? We killed you. We ended you. And they pull out their guns, and this time, when they shoot him, he doesn't dodge, right? He doesn't do all the fancy limbo stuff. He looks at the bullets, he holds up his hand, and he just says, no. And the bullets stop, and they fall to the ground. And it's this imagery of the evil is trying to take him down, and he doesn't even have to dodge it anymore. He just says, no, this is done, and it is done. And really, the Matrix took heavily from Scripture, they took heavily from the Easter story, right? This idea of our God coming back to life again. And my wife knows this. Easter did not make sense to me for a long time. Like, I understood where it was in the story, but I thought as Christians we were screwing up how we were celebrating it. Because Good Friday was where our sins were forgiven. Good Friday was the climax of the story. Shouldn't that be where we invest all of our time, all of our celebrations, all of our holiday? And then Easter is kind of like the epilogue of the story, or maybe like the leftovers. And I love leftovers after holidays, don't get me wrong, but that's how I looked at Easter, and so I'm like, why do we celebrate it so much? But as I kept engaging the story, I realized, oh, we celebrate Easter because our God is not a God of death. But as the song we sang earlier, no, our God is the God of life, and our God is alive, and that's why we celebrate Easter. But this year, I realized it's even deeper than that. There's a point that Jesus is making then and today that I think I often miss. And we're going to flush this out through three encounters with Jesus on Easter, right? So he meets with three separate groups of people, and we're going to follow them along in their story. And the first group is Mary, did you know, right? So this isn't Mary, his mother. This is Mary Magdalene, one of his earliest followers, most devoted servants. And Mary is heartbroken that her friend, that her teacher, that the person she put all of her trust in had died. And so she goes to that tomb, she goes to that grave like Heather was talking about, and she finds the stone gone and she's freaking out. Right? Scripture says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, 
one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? Well, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around. She saw Jesus standing there, but he didn't realize it. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, just tell me where you put him and I will go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold to me, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the other disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Right? So Mary sees Jesus. And the first thing that strikes me in this story is Jesus asked the question, why are you crying? He's not trying to be cute, right? Her master was dead. Her sorrow was real. And Jesus wasn't saying it's not okay to cry. But what we find in John earlier is Jesus says, there will be a time for sorrow. I am going to leave you. But then he says, but then your sorrow will turn to joy. The second weird thing in the story is he says, don't hold on to me, which is weird, right? I mean, this is her, like if someone came back to life, right? If my mom or my dad or someone who I loved really died and came back to life, I would be all up on them, right? They would get the biggest bear hug. And the first thing he says is, don't touch me? That's kind of weird. But this idea that he says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Right? This is going to be huge because something happens when he goes to the Father. And so what he's telling Mary is, don't try to hold me here on earth. Don't try to keep me here because something better is coming. Just you wait, right? And he had hinted about what that better thing was in John 12. He says, the hour has come for the Lord of man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. Jesus was going to use one death to create life in many. And that's where the story is going. A second encounter we see. Some of his followers were leaving Jerusalem. They were headed back home. Like Mary, they had put all their trust, all their hope in Jesus. And it all went sideways. And so they're talking through these things. They're mourning in their own way. And as they're walking, it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now Jesus is playing coy. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. He crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women have amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he, Jesus, said to them, How foolish are you? 
and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning from Moses and the prophets, all the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were to going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures up to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Right, so Jesus is going, walking with these guys. He's telling them, guys, this was always the plan. I was always going to die, but death wasn't even going to stop me. Right? And this, I have no scriptural proof for, but I'm 99% sure that it happened when Jesus breaks the bread, gives it, and gives thanks, and then they like, realize who he is. He does this disappearing act, but I guarantee you, he winked at them. Right? He's like, just you wait. Something's coming. And then he disappears, and they're like, ho, ho, ho. Okay, this is, this is different. This is new. Right? And so they book it back to Jerusalem. Right? They're talking to the disciples, and they're like, guys, we saw him. He's real. Something is happening. And again, he had talked through them, there is going to be something that's going to happen before he even died, right? This is John 16. I have told you this so that you remember their uh, time comes. You will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Again, this is important, right? Jesus says, I've got to go. None of you ask me where are you going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is good, it is for your good that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus had told them, guys, I'm going to die, I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to leave again. Don't try to cling to me here on earth because something better is coming. Just you wait. And we see what that better thing is in this final story of Jesus. Now, this is Easter. This is his victory day. This is his kind of graduation ceremony, if you will, right? Something huge has happened. And typically, when we have a victory, we spend time to celebrate that, right? So if someone graduates, or you win a soccer game, or a baseball game, or a championship, right? There's just this massive party that goes on and on and on. But instead of throwing a party... No, no, no. This third counter, Jesus is very clear. It's go time, right? He has a plan, and it's finally able to be unleashed. On the evening of that first day of the week, so we're still talking Easter, right? When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And here it is. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And that is a plural. That is, I am sending y'all. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus comes and he says, I am going to the Father and then we're sending the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we don't always realize is in the Gospels, all those miracles Jesus did, the healing of the sick, 
the feeding of the hungry, the raising of the dead. Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and then he would do these things. And what spirit does Jesus say? Receive the Holy Spirit. He says, guys, just as God sent me, now I'm sending you. And the same power that I changed our little patch of the world with, he says, now I'm giving that power to all of you. Because I'm no longer the only son of God. No, each and every one of us are sons and daughters of God. The plan was for Jesus to duplicate himself in each and every one of us. And the reason why we celebrate this on Easter is because God had waited millennia to start to fix the world. The world was broken. Evil was winning. And so he wasn't going to wait around. He wasn't going to celebrate, oh, I beat death. No, his immediate response is, I am sending you. I have a plan for you. And in the same way that I left every situation better because I showed up, the same way God says, and every situation you show up in, I want to have that same impact. He breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we understand and find out what makes Christianity unique in this. Christians are not better at serving than other people are. Christians are not smarter than other people are. We're not wiser than anyone else. But what we have that no one else has is forgiveness. That's what sets us apart. And right now, the world needs forgiveness. And I don't mean from a judgmental standpoint where we look down and say, look at you broken world, how could you do this? No, 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 don't over-spiritualize it. Our families are broken because we don't know how to forgive one another. Communities don't trust one another because we don't know how to forgive one another. Neighborhoods, cities, countries. Forgiveness is what we're missing. And yet Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The heartbeat of what makes Christianity Christianity is that our God set off in a, in a way like a domino chain, he was the first to forgive. He said, I will go to any length to forgive you, even if that means dying on the cross for your sins. And he comes back to life, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the same power I have. Now pay that forgiveness on to the next domino, and to the next domino, and to the next domino. And what that does, it starts to defeat evil. It starts to change the world. The disciples' problem wasn't that they had too high of expectations for their Messiah. Their disciples' problem, our problem, my problem, is that I expect far too little of what God is up to. We talk about that scene in the Matrix where the bullets are flying at him and he simply says no. That's who our God is. In a broken world where there are things like cancer, where there are things like violence in communities, divorce, all kinds of hurt and pain, our God comes into those situations and can say no. It doesn't always work out the way we expect, and we find that certainly in the story of Jesus, right? They thought this is what God's going to do, and he had a bigger plan in mind. Our God has a bigger plan in mind than we're anticipating. And as the pastor here, I've got to know you guys for five months now. I've known your hearts. I've seen your passions, your skill sets. I am so stoked to see what God wants to do. 
And it's not in just a select few of us. It's not, hey, we're going to pay one guy to be the Christian for the whole church. No, my heart and God's vision for this church is that every single person in Acts Church Leander, from a toddler to the retired, is sent by God, is a change agent. Because for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And then Jesus says, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending y'all. And he reduplicates himself in every single person. And so if you hear nothing else this Easter, hear this. God wants to use you. God wants you to be a part of his mission of changing the world. And the cool thing is we don't have to do it alone. He creates church so we get to do it together. So we don't have to be in the trenches by ourselves. But he puts brothers and sisters and we lock arms together and we look at the evil in the world and the brokenness of the world and through his power, through his spirit, when we see that evil, we say no. And the bullets stop flying. And the hurt starts to subside. And the lost are brought into community. And goodness starts to just transform North Austin and beyond. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.